Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Inclusiverse podcast. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Kali Kalida. I'm joined by my other incredible host, Nick Hamilton. Yo, yo, yo. No, I like that intro. How are you doing, Nick? I'm doing really well, thank you. Really, really excited for this one. Oh, exciting times. So, yes, today we're going to be talking about all things neurodiversity. We do have those three words that we're going to be looking at, those in words. So we're looking at individual, informative, and insightful today. We have two guests joining us on the podcast. Uh, want to introduce us uh, uh, yourselves to us? Anyone want to go first? Ladies first. Okay. Uh, my name is Taylor. Uh, I am with Blue Square through the Samsung training team. Fantastic. And thank you very much for having me. Fantastic. So you're working for uh, on behalf of Brand Partnerships Group? That's inc- that's correct, yes. Bab. And then uh, what about you, sir? My name is Jordan. Um, same team as Taylor. So I'm part of the MX training team. Fantastic. And I'm happy to be here today. Awesome. So we're going to be talking about things all neurodiversity. And I believe you two have some neurodiversity traits that you would like to share with us. That's correct. Yep. So I have ADHD, so attention deficit hyperactive disorder, was diagnosed with it from the age of seven. And I've lived with it ever since. Kind of a bit of a pest, but sometimes it's nice to have it. (laughs) What do you think the misconception is of ADHD? That we're all just hyperactive people and we can't concentrate and we're bad kids. Oh. Yeah. Okay. And how do you feel like being able to share your experiences will kind of combat that stigma? Just want to let it be known that we're we're not all the same, we're all different. Even though we have a disorder, it's not something to be ashamed of, to be honest. Yeah. Cool. And how do you think that benefits you in the workplace? I feel like I'm more creative with it because I can kind of think outside the box. That's what I think, to be honest, yeah. Yeah, and there's a there's a hyper focus that comes with ADHD, yes. right? Yeah. So if I was to give you a task that you were interested in, how would that? It help? works both ways. So with one task, if I'm really interested in it, then I would like try and get it completed. But if I see something that's a bit more interesting, then I might go off there and then bounce between both of them. To be honest. And you said that not everyone is the same with mm-hmm. ADHD. Mm-hmm. What are the differences? So with some people, they can be super hyperactive, whereas some people it might not be as much hyperactive. So from a young age, I was like bounce off the walls hyperactive. Like I had to take Ritalin to like calm me down. So I was on medication from a young age. And now going into my adult life, I've just become a bit more like mellow, I would say. So yeah. And, and can it be, because I actually have a, a friend with ADHD and I, I don't know much about the, the disorder itself, mm-hmm. but from, from my experiences with him, like he's such an amazing person. I, I He's constantly hyper, he's mm-hmm. constantly up there. Yeah. You know, he's such a, he, but he's got such great energy, Yeah, you know, such a great, um, but also sometimes for me, I feel like he's hyper in, at times that are quite like inconvenient yeah is that is that is that normal uh, is that natural yes sometimes it can just come out of nowhere like okay. if you ask my girlfriend i'm the most annoying person <laughs> in the world yeah. like sometimes it's like i can't stop like being mm. hyperactive whereas sometimes it's like now like being in work for example i know like okay cool you need to chill out a bit just make yeah. sure you do what you need to to do so yeah. and then can it go the opposite way where you're then have low mood, low like a yeah. real low mood. Yeah, sometimes it can be like really hard to deal with, especially when it's like I'm going through something in terms of like work, personal life. Like when the lows are low, like they're really low. Sometimes it's hard to get out of those. And and gr- sorry, I'm asking. No, you can keep going. Nick. Yeah. Um, I mean, and obviously, like you know, growing up um, as a child, you know, did you feel understood? Did you feel like you were misunderstood by any of your any of your friends or? 
I would definitely say yes. For most of my childhood, I was misunderstood as when I would say like I have ADHD, I would be told oh, don't use it as an excuse when it's like, I'm not using an excuse. Like sometimes I just can't help but be hyperactive or ask so many questions you'll just look down upon sometimes and people would get frustrated with yeah you yeah very time. quick yeah because uh, i even now i ask a lot of questions and and you can't you can't help it right yeah sometimes sometimes i can't sometimes it just comes out and i'll be told like okay can you stop now stop being annoying it's like mm -hmm. i physically can't you know okay and when it comes to um being employed mm -hmm. and you know go for your first interview mm -hmm. you know is it something that you are open about you know when you go into the interview interview room, uh, you know, do you do you say, you know, I have ADHD and Nah, I, I very I very I definitely veer away from it. Like when you apply for a job and you tick that box or do you have any like disabilities, I always click no, just I just like to not talk about it as much. Mm -hmm. That's why coming on this podcast is like good for me to like get out there, be vulnerable and all of that stuff. So yeah, I don't really talk about it. Just one more. <laughs> one more yeah. And okay, so you're you're not ask, you're not ticking that box or saying that you got it. Is that because you feel that um, that that will give you less of a chance of of getting in front of the right people? I would definitely say so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then and once you've now got the job, yeah. Do you feel like you need to explain yourself? No. Your employee to employer to understand you, or you just no. I just just be myself, be Jordan, and okay when the chance does arise like doing a podcast like this i'll put it out there but before this like not a lot of people knew like i told kelly i have adhd because she has adhd too so mm. yeah it was just something we mm -hmm. had in common yeah, yeah so sorry to out you no, no, didn't no, mean no, to no, out no, you that's I, what I I'm, I'm, I'm trying to go through a process of being formally diagnosed uh, but my friends and family you know when you say like as an adult i don't know if you you found this but the more i go to my parents i'm saying like look i'm trying to get this this and this they're like oh yeah we knew about that when you were a kid we just never got you tested or like, oh, no, like ADHD in the 90s and early 2000s was seen as a male trait, you know, as naughty boys that yeah. have ADHD. You know what I mean? I'm, yeah. I'm sure you've experienced that kind of stigma. So it's it's going to take three and a half years for me to get a diagnosis on the NHS. Really? Yeah. Unless I pay privately or try and go through um, a charity. So I'm like in a, in a position where, you know, I'm not on any medications or anything like that. I, I definitely have a lot of traits, done a lot of different kind of online testing. And my friends and family are pretty certain. That it is a, a definite, but I, you know, I don't have it. Have a diagnosis for certain. And do you feel like you need one? Um, I do. You like one? I think for my own mental health, I think I w it would be beneficial to have that because I have trouble with a lot of different things. One of them being, you know, I don't think before I say things, which can get a reputation of being a person that I'm really not. Uh, I struggle with high mood and low mood in terms of like. And that really negatively affects my mental health. So I go into a really dark place when I'm in a low mood, but yet I can go from zero to a hundred. So you find me in a corner and I'm, I'm genuinely like sad, mm -hmm. really, really sad. And I can't tell you why an hour, two hours later, I want to play. Yeah, back to normal. I, wanna, I don't want to play fight with you. I, you know what I mean? I want to, I want to get involved. I want to get engaged. The reason I asked you about work is because for me, I recently got a new job. Hyper-focus is so important. Because as a business, you can benefit so much from somebody that can see gaps where other people can't. If you're cool. quite creative and you're hyper-focused on something, you can identify issues in process. You can identify issues in work. You can identify something that a, a person that isn't neurodivergent can see. 
So you are a massive asset to a business that is trying to change their branding, trying to improve how they operate because you are solely focused on getting that 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 thing changed. Mm-hmm. That's interesting you said that because so I'm going to ask ask you another question, Jordan. You're going to be annoyed at me asking all. No, this. hit me because come on. Okay, so so what do you think are your most um, like the most positive traits of you having mm-hmm. ADHD in your life and in the workplace as well, and then the negative sides of it? I would say definitely, as Kelly said, hyper focus. So if I want to get something done, I'm going to get it done. Creativeness for sure. Use Photoshop, all of that creative stuff. Canva. I'm a very creative person. Listening to music, if I listen to a song like more than like maybe three or four times, like I can sing the lyrics back to back. Like, perfect. Yeah, yeah. perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll sing things like memory as well. Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. After four times. Yeah. Even even less than that. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. Really? Chorus down one time. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I've got just under 4,000 songs on my Spotify playlists. A lot. Yeah. You can play any single one of those songs and I can. I would always put money on the fact that I, if even if I only get the first line, first yeah. sentence, and sing those whole songs, and I can remember exactly where I heard that song as well. Yeah, yeah. location. That actually being in the car with you, sort of carpooling to and from work. Even my playlist, there's not a song that I can put on that she doesn't know. It's insane. Yeah, yeah. it makes you super like like creative part of your brain is is so in tune. Mm. Okay, and one more question. I keep saying it's it's fine. We use one more. Yeah, one more question. <laughs> um, do you feel over time you've had to change yourself? to 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 be more included by people for people to not judge you for maybe your you know up and down behaviors that's a great question or (laughs) just being yourself always say from a young age i was myself but then i was never like accepted in school like i was always kind of like the outcast because i was always hyperactive i always wanted to do stuff whereas other kids were like what's what's wrong with this kid (laughs) why has he always got so much energy so so from a young age i was myself but as time has progressed on especially being an adult living with adhd it's like it's hard like especially being in a relationship like my partners helped me a lot along my journey so i would say Around the right people, I would say I'm myself, whereas when I'm like at work or in scenarios where I like I have to be professional or I'm trying to make a good impression, like I put like kind of this face on, you know. And then how would you then, another question, um, <laughs> what, what would you expect from people that don't know much about someone with ADHD? Like for me, um, with my friend, who, as I said, is amazing. I was like, wow, this guy's just super hyper. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know he had ADHD. So, so for someone like me that didn't know initially mm-hmm. and had my judgment of he's just super hyper mm-hmm. how would you like other people to perceive people with adhd on their just initial um thoughts and feelings about someone i would say just normal people would just have a bit more energy and just bear with us because we we are definitely a lot i can tell you that for a fact <laughs> okay yeah just more patience yeah just more patience yeah I think emotionally as well, I don't know about you, Joe, I struggle to have, I get overwhelming feelings really, really easily. I feel overwhelmed really, really easy. I struggle to deliver emotions in a really positive way. Sometimes their emotions are really, really negative and I can't express them any way other than negative. You know, sometimes people go, are you okay? You go, yeah, I'm a little bit sad. I'll just tell you everything. Everything, yeah. 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 Or when I'm happy, I want to tell you every single reason of why I'm happy. Yeah, You get it, I'm the exact same, yeah, for sure. And that's the benefit to you for being diagnosed as a young age. You've had, you know, time to process it and obviously Mm. you've grown as an adult. Taylor, talk to us about your experience with your neurodiversity and how getting 
kind of like understood a little bit later on at life affected you? Uh, yeah, so I am dyslexic, um, which means that I have trouble uh, reading and writing on occasion and uh, also have trouble trouble sort of um, talking sometimes as well. I can get all, over my words. Um, I wasn't diagnosed until I was 18 when I was in college. Um, and interesting, you mentioned earlier, mm. sort of young girls, it, it seems like it's kind of not focused in on as much as it is in young boys mm. um so it was a struggle um but yeah it wasn't until I was in college and someone kind of noticed something in the way that I was I was reading and you know it was a you know lovely lecturer of mine that actually took the time to go maybe you should go and see the the college counsellor um and that was when I got tested and diagnosed at 18 so and how do you think if you'd been diagnosed earlier that mm-hmm. would have affected you um I had a hard time in school I had a very hard time in school. Um, going into sort of senior school, so like year seven, um, I did quite well in English. I was actually in top set for English. And then all of a sudden as I was going on, I was kind of getting dropped further and further through school. Um, and then uh, within my final year, bearing in mind I'd gone through this five year of struggle, um, I also went through a bit of bullying in my final year of school and the school asked me to leave because they said that they couldn't keep me safe and they couldn't support me properly. Wow. Um, and I was allowed to do what they called home study, uh, which was I had no teacher, essentially. Um, but I was still allowed to go in for my GCSEs, which I then failed. <laughs> um, and during my English one, they actually just kind of gave me a book and said, you're going to have to just read through this quickly and then answer these questions on it. And obviously, as a dyslexic, you can't you can't read quickly. It's not really how it works. Um, but yeah, and then that, that kind of obviously affected me going into college. I had I had no... English GCSE which was a bare minimum for going into college so I then struggled to get onto a course and but yeah once that was kind of understood it was kind of like all right okay that's why it's it's not just because I can't keep up with people Mm. it's because there's a reason and then the the, you know the support kind of was there but again it was sort of earlier so it was like here's a laptop and that was what they knew how to do or like here's um like colored sheets of paper that you can put over a reading and it can help you focus your eyes properly and but yeah I think I think bullying for in, in school is prevalent for any kind of thing that is not seen as the norm mm-hmm. you know whether you have a disability whether you struggle with mental health mm-hmm. whether you have a, a different sexuality whether you are neurodivergent I feel like there is a, a prerequisite that kids will always look for something that is not mm-hmm. their version of normal Right. And it, and that could even be imprinted from their parents. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to be open and honest with this. Um, and my question to, to you, uh, Taylor, is do you feel that um, a lot of people at your school or growing up felt that dyslexia was like an excuse for a lot of um, problems maybe that you'd be having at school? Because I've I've had it with people like, ah, oh, I'm dyslexic. And I and I personally have been like, yeah, yeah, whatever. But I've never really understood mm. the severity of what dyslexia could actually do. Yeah. Um. And so that's you know very narrow-minded of of me. Um. So I know I've been that sort of person where I think my uncle was like, I'm dyslexic. I'm like, whatever, uncle. You know what I mean? <laughs> sort yourself out. Um. <laughs> you know. So so you know, be me, be honest and open. But have you experienced that? Do you feel that there's a lot of people that you know use that felt that you were using it as an excuse? Yeah, um, 100%. I think sort of when you were growing up in school, you know, if someone was dyslexic and had a laptop, everyone would kind of go, well, 
why does why does he get one and I don't get one? And then just go, well, what what about me? And it's very me central. And I think that's where a lot of the preconceptions come from that, you know, you just want extra time on your exam. You know, you just want to be taken out of class to go for support lessons and things like that. And it's nothing to do with that. You'd actually rather just, especially at that age, just blend in and just be like everybody else yeah. Yeah. and not have to get up and walk out of an exam because you physically can't process your brain to put words down on paper. Um, and I think you get frustrated over that, but then you're also getting frustrated with the other people who do question the authenticity of being neurodivergent. You know, I'm sure you've had it as well with ADHD. You know, it's a massive boom. It feels so demoralizing when you have to get up, walk out of the exams and everyone's looking at you. It's like, what's, where's, where's this guy going? And then you sit in a room yeah. for an extra 15 minutes and then it's like, why am I here? Like, I know I need extra time, but it just, just, doesn't, just doesn't feel nice. You know? Yeah. I personally think neurodivergence is not something that people should expect to know. For one, you don't you don't get a right to understand or well, you get a right to understand, but you don't get a right to know that I'm neurodivergent. Mm. And also it's not an excuse, it's about lack of understanding. So for me, as as an adult, mine's gotten even worse. My dyslexia is even worse. So uh, text messages, I have to proofread and emails three or four times. I probably sent text messages to a number of people in this room that are not coherent, looking at my uh, old line manager in the back there. Um, and old. having to, yeah, Scott used to be my line manager, and he is. Oh, used so you to meant the, old looking, <laughs> old looking. Uh, he that used, too. He's currently mine. <laughs> he is used to those messages that don't quite necessarily make sense. But I've noticed in messages that you've sent me where spelling errors, I understand them, mm. and it's like we're connected. It's like we have our own language. Yeah. But that's the thing, like because I'm not diagnosed. I don't have a doctor telling me. I don't feel like, can I have these conversations? Is it valid? Because I don't have that diagnosis attached to me. And and I don't want to, you know, take up a space by somebody and that's, that somebody who is genuinely diagnosed has. Mm. I tick a lot of boxes and, you know, a lot of people can see that. But, but speaking to Jordan, like, if he tells me he's got ADHD, I wouldn't know any different as to whether he's been diagnosed, diagnosed. or not diagnosed with it. So you go with what you feel. So if you feel you have ADHD and you're not diagnosed, who who knows? Exactly. Other than you. I'll give the, I'll give people a directory for my family members and my friends and I'll definitely be able to tell you. Um, no, it's, uh, you know, Taylor, everything that you said about being bullied and then being like, and then having that later on in life really hit home for me mm. because I'm in exactly the same position. Having extra time and yes, having technology at 18 years old when you're doing your final year of A-levels is great. But having that understanding when I was a child would have saved me a lot of mental torment. Fighting with yourself, you're fighting back at people that just think you're lazy and you're, you're why don't you read more? Why don't you like reading? Mm. And it's not why like I don't- it taking you that long? Yeah, it's not like I don't like reading. It's like it takes so much brain power to get through a book mm. that for me, it's just easier to watch content. Yeah. yeah. If somebody gave, is literally word for word, read a book out to me, would be easier for me than reading reading a book myself. Mm -hmm. And that's not lazy, that's just the fact that it would take every ounce, like a working day would take me the same amount of energy yeah. that a really stressful working day would take. Get distracted so easily. Yeah, yeah. to read even a few chapters of a book. Mm. Audiobooks are a lifesaver. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, same with me actually. Maybe I'm a little bit dyslexic. I, I, I hate reading books, I can't read books, it takes too long to, to yeah. actually process through my head. For me, it's mathematics. I just can't get with maths. I don't know what it is. From a young age, could never do sums, times tables. Uh, and what really interests me with you, Jordan, is the, is the fact that you know you don't 
almost want to fill out the form saying you got ADHD. Then you go, you get the job, you smash the interview, you do an amazing job. Now you've got the job, and you're you're, you're in the the workplace. Yeah. You don't want to even mention yeah. that you got ADHD just in case yeah. someone may perceive you in the wrong way. Or I guess from a young age, I've always been told like stop using it as an excuse, especially coming from an ethnic background as yourself, especially the older generation. It's like, there's nothing wrong with you. You're good. But mm. I think with the like heighten of like COVID and we're all in lockdown, like mental mental health awareness has become like this big thing, which I think is amazing. So I guess that's given me the confidence as well. Like now mental health is in a space where you can talk about it and you're not judged because a lot of people are going through it and you would never know. And have you been in any scenarios or situations where your employees have judged you based on how you've been acting but not actually know that it is ADHD? No, I just say I'm just having a bad day, to be honest. It's like something I just would never talk and about. And you never use it as an excuse? No, I, I, well, to like my family members, I'm like if I'm like annoying or it's like I can't do this, like, remember guys, I do have ADHD and it's just like, no, stop using it as an excuse. So when it comes to employers, I just, just veer away from it. But now I'm I'm employed. You're not getting rid of me, guys. I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's about it. I've been staying. Somebody BPG, <laughs> BPG and Jordan Mars for life. <laughs> See, and, and Taylor, for you, when you're, you know, talking about dyslexia and dyslexia in the workplace, <clears throat> what as a business do you think that, the, that we can do in order to support the the awareness and the, the, the you know, the people that are neurodivergent? Um, I feel like it comes down to a lot of patience and a lot of understanding. I mean, we do a lot of work in front of camera for our jobs and, and read from a teleprompter. And there's this big glory put around being a one-take wonder of being able to, to read it all and get it done within five minutes. And obviously for someone with dyslexia, yeah. it's a lot harder to do. So stop stop glorifying those moments as much mm-hmm. and excluding the ones who maybe can't do that for a reason or... You know, if someone, there's a lot of times where I'll, I'll read and I'll, I'll mix up and I'll make a joke out of it and go, <laughs> sorry, dyslexia. Yeah. And it's, I think I'd, I'll probably add to that problem because then it just gets shrugged off because I'm making a joke yeah. out of it. So people go, oh, well, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um, in regards to the workplace, I think doing things like this and building awareness about what dyslexia actually is, what it can affect and, you know, taking the time to go to ask questions as well. Like there's been times where... I've been heavily judged for not watching a certain TV show that rhymes with mid memes because everyone says read it with subtitles on. It's like, oh, it's not that easy. So just have that patience and that understanding. Um, I think we live in a world now, especially in our world, um, with a lot of tech. Like I could not, I could not do the job that I do without spell check. Physically, couldn't it? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't be possible. I agree with that. Um, so yeah, the technology, the way that that's advanced now, is is been a real lifesaver. Yeah for me too i would say just doing things like this talking about an open discussion no judgments just understanding and taking the time to speak to someone with neurodivergence is a big big help i would say mm. yeah well i really appreciate you guys coming in and and being open and honest about it um i know telly you said you're super uh nervous before we started this but there's no nerves at all coming from you and jordan thanks so much for being so open and, and calm and relaxed and just chilled about talking about anything that you wanted to so hopefully you can feel that you know this this place this room is a as an accepting place it's a non-judgmental place as well that's what we want it to be all about you know everybody feels accepted and included in the inclusiveverse podcast yeah definitely and nick for you what's been your biggest takeaways you know you said you've you know been interacted and had friends that are neurodivergent maybe not necessarily neurodivergent yourself so what has been your kind of biggest takeaway from this conversation um yeah i mean 
for me, uh, my my friend, I you know I've, I've dealt with him uh, for a good number of years now, and, and I've just learned more and more about him just on a daily basis. Um, but actually, you know, hearing um, Jordan's story and and him going into more detail, um, it's just it's just really helped me for for when I'm you know next speaking to my friend. Um, I, I I struggle with patience. Um, just generally, I think it comes from my family. Uh, I don't know, but I struggle with. I struggle with patience with people, but I I know um, that just because he's got ADHD, um, you know, I may need to be more patient. But I was just doing that as a guess. Now I know it for sure. Now I know for sure I have to be more patient. I have to be more understanding. And um, yeah, less grumpy with him sometimes. Yeah, because sometimes I, I can be can be like. Oh, take you know but but really i've learned so much and and tell you've been so honest and open um and i really really appreciate it it's it's taught me so much so uh you know this is amazing this is why i started or wanted to be a part of this podcast because i was gonna be like well i'm I'm gonna be asking loads of questions because there's lots of situations and topics that i don't know about Mm, um you know and i don't want to be seen as someone that knows the answers or knows about every topic because i think it's great to to be open and being like right well i don't know anything so i want you guys to teach me and you've taught me a lot today so thank you thank you for having us it's been very informative kind of kind of episode it's been really insightful and having your own individual stories has kind of helped come together with you know a better viewpoint of like how you feel as somebody who is diagnosed and you and i share similar situations in terms of being diagnosed late and we can we feel very very strongly about the fact that there needs to be more awareness and more support for parents for when their children are showing signs early on so they can get them tested because it will save a lot of kind of mental warfare Mm. you know later on in life thank you both so much for joining us and nick thank you for asking all of your questions i mean i asked so many very very useful you can catch us on all of your favorite podcast streaming services and if you go over to brandpartnershipgroup.com forward slash inclusive you can submit some questions suggest future episode topics and also apply to be a guest on another episode thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you all in the next one